crazy. And um, I want to say how glad I am to be back with you today and how glad I am that, that Andy did such a great job last week. I heard nothing but great things about what a, a fun, fantastic Sunday last Sunday was. And I had to miss it. I did enjoy where I was. I got to go see my best friend in Colorado and spend some time out there. But I'm glad to be back here um, with you all today. I want to welcome you, and I want to welcome those who are listening by live stream today. I, we all will, will say hi to you, and I hope this service is a blessing to you as well. Exodus chapter 20 is the scripture for today. It's a very famous passage in the book of Exodus where we have the Ten Commandments. We'll read the first 17 verses today. And while you're turning over there or where you get prepared to look on the, the screen, I'll remind you that somewhere in the midst of your bulletin is an outline. If you enjoy following along and filling in on the outline, then that's for you. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I am the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the iniquity of the parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your town. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Three words for you this morning. Back to school. Make some of you smile to think about it. Make some of your hands start sweating thinking about it. Make some of you squirm a little bit. Some of you maybe even get a little bit of a bellyache thinking about it. But I can remember it. Whether or not we like it, it rolls around this time every year. It rolls, keeps rolling back around. And it always makes me think all the way back to when I went back to school. I remember every single year of going back to school, how it felt and what it was like. And all the way back to Mrs. Crabtree's jeans and calico kindergarten in Stevenson, Alabama, 
way I first launched my educational career. This was back in the day when kindergartens were not as widely used as they weren't connected to the school at all. They would have kindergartens around and you could go or not go. And so my mother decided it would be a good idea for me to go. And I went to Miss Crabtree and I walked to school. We, we lived in the neighborhood that's just a couple blocks away. So I walked through the driving snow, uphill both ways to kindergarten. And, and it was wonderful and everything. I remember one day on the way back from kindergarten, walking back home, I decided to take a shortcut through a neighbor's yard. This woman, I can't remember her name. I remember it was an older lady that lived by herself. And I cut through her yard. And in the middle of her yard, through her backyard, she had one of those old water hydrants that, that stood alone out in the yard. And as I walked by that water hydrant, I just flipped that sucker on, let it gush out full stream, and I ran away. And um, I don't know why I did it, just for meanness. I was a five-year-old boy, and I don't know for meanness, but I got like a little thrill of adrenaline as I was running home that day, knowing that I was getting away with something nobody knew about. And so the next day, walking home from kindergarten, cut through the same yard, look around, nobody looking, gushing water, me running away, giggling to myself, thinking about how cool I was. And on the third day, I thought it was going to be three times as fun to do that same thing. So through the yard I went, flipped on the water hydrant, and was about to turn away, and I heard a screechy voice from the porch. I know who you are, boy. I know where you live. And you want to talk about running. I have never been a fast person. We hazes are not built for speed. But I think I broke every track and field record. I ran home as hard as I could through the front door, slamming the screen door behind me, screeched to a halt inside the kitchen just in time to see my mother hanging up the avocado green rotary dialed wall mounted telephone that we had in the kitchen. And she looked at me, and I looked at her, and I knew that my goose was cooked. I wish that my mother had said, boy, go out in the yard and cut yourself a switch. I wish that she had said that. That would have been preferable to what I got. Because instead of a whipping, I got the talk. The talk consisted of me in a big chair that was a lot bigger than I was sitting in that chair and my mom sitting on the footstool of that chair right in front of my face and the talk you could sum it up to something like this son you're mine you belong to don't 
harm other people's properties. We just don't do that. And I want you to know that we expect you, your dad and I expect you, to live up to who you are and to not act like that. I mean, on and on she went, and the more she talked, the smaller I got. I was about this high in that chair by the time she, I think she talked for an hour or 10 minutes, but um, there was nothing left to do by the time she talked to me except to say, yes, ma'am. And there was nothing left to do except to take her hand and to walk back across the yards to get to the front porch of this lady's house and to stand on that porch and to shuffle my feet around and finally make eye contact with that lady and say, I'm very sorry, and I will never do that again. You see, the simple lesson that has lasted all these many years is just this. Behaviors carry consequences. And we need rules for living. It matters. It matters. And they're simple. They're not overly complicated. They're simple. Today and for the next two weeks, we're going to look at three simple rules. Three simple rules that are connected to our our Methodist heritage that go back to the words of John Wesley. Um, The three simple rules are this. Do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. So these rules, I say they go back to John Wesley, but they go a lot farther back. Rules for living go all the way back to the Garden of Eden where God gave Adam and Eve one rule. And they didn't do very well with that one, did they? But today in the scripture we read from Exodus chapter 20, we we move forward a little bit in history to the time when the Israelites were camped around Mount Sinai. And Moses went up on the mountain to have the talk with God. Listen, you all are mine. I'm your God. And there are some things you need to know. There are some ways that I expect you to behave have the Ten Commandments, focusing more on the second half of the Ten Commandments today when we look at do no harm, you know, the ones that say, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, all of these things that we do to each other, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, nor shalt thou flip thy neighbor's water hydrant on and run off. I did that the other night. So we could take these last five commandments and sum them up, I think, pretty well by that first simple rule, do no harm. Do no harm. Do no harm begins with remembering who we are and whose we are. That's why in verse 2, before God went into the whole Ten Commandments, he started by saying to Moses, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and the house of slavery. Remember who you are, who you belong to. You're mine. I redeemed you. I brought you out. You belong to me. I'm the one who set you free. You're my children. 
to live up to the family name. So today the call to us is to remember God claims us. And that very sentence is heavy with with honor and with dignity. We're his children. But it also is heavy with responsibility. We have a name to live up to. So because we belong to him, we do no harm, see? Next, do no harm means also actively avoiding harming ourselves. Actively avoiding harming ourselves. Back in the Apostle Paul's day, the city of Corinth in Greek, not Corinth, Mississippi, city of Corinth was famous, but not famous in a good way, famous in a bad way. It was known as Sin City so much uh, because of the trade and the traffic they got both by sea and by land being on a little isthmus, little finger of land, and ships would come in and caravans would come in, people from all over the world, people with all different influences and all different ideas about how you ought to behave would come through Corinth with just bustling bustling and it had the temple of Aphrodite the goddess of love and in this temple of Aphrodite were a thousand temple prostitutes who came down in the evening and conducted their trade among the merchants and the sailors and the residents and the visitors and Corinth had the reputation that you know, what happened in Corinth stayed in Corinth. If you, were a Corinth. if you were called a Corinthians, it was the same as being called someone who had loose morals. And it was in this environment that Paul helped plant a church. And while Paul was kept writing letters to the Corinthians and saying, Hey, listen, guys. It matters how you behave. There are rules. And one of the things is it matters how you treat yourself. Because the, the Greek, the ancient Greek attitude was that the spirit mattered, but the body didn't matter all that much. So you had one group over here that, well, because the body doesn't matter, then we're going to punish the body. So they had different aesthetic practices that they would beat themselves or cut themselves. And, but mostly people with this attitude thought, okay, the body doesn't matter all that much. It doesn't matter what I do to my body. okay. Eat, drink, and be merry. Just go and hook up with all of the temple prostitutes. Just treat your body any old kind of way because it doesn't matter. It doesn't amount to much more than a shell. That's why Paul wrote in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? And that you're not your own, for you're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. How you treat yourself matters. Do no harm extends first to you. Now, we hear your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. We've heard that so many times. And somehow, I think we've reduced it 
down to something simple like just say no to drugs, which is great advice. But do no harm to ourselves goes much, much deeper than that. Do no harm to ourselves extends, and I want you to know I'm talking to myself here, so I wore my steel-toed wingtips today. It extends to how you're getting enough rest, ma'am. Are you exercising and eating right? Are you taking your medicine like you're supposed to? Are you dealing with the stress in your life in a healthy way? Are you taking a Sabbath? Are you doing no harm to yourself? So, now remember the rules are there, not because God wants to crimp our style, but because God loves us and claims us as his own. So I want you to join me in in developing a plan for self-care. Developing a theology of self-care. Because how can we love our neighbor as ourselves if we don't love ourselves? And to do this with the fundamental goal, the fundamental goal of glorifying God and knowing that it will have a happy byproduct of us feeling and looking better. So, first, do no harm. Do no harm means remembering who we are. It means remembering whose we are. It means consciously, intentionally avoiding harming ourselves. And then do no harm means actively avoiding harming our neighbor actively avoiding harming our neighbor. That, of course, would include the second half of the Ten Commandments. We know all of that. We know all of that. These are simple rules. They're simple, but they're not easy. We know what the golden rule is, don't we? Matthew seven twelve. in everything do to others as you would have them do to you, for this is the law and the prophets. We know that. If you looked at it from the backside, from the do no harm side, it might look like in everything don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. Rules for living. And you say, well, preacher, just life is much complex, more complicated than that. I know this, and that's why I've put a couple of caveats in there. I have two caveats and a so what. Caveat number one is we know that some people are just going to rub us the wrong way. We know. We know we're going to have differences of opinion. So do no harm doesn't mean that we all agree on everything. It doesn't mean we don't get our wires crossed. Conflict happens when people are around, even for followers of Jesus. Do no harm doesn't mean that we always see eye to eye. It doesn't mean that we don't have an opinion that might be very different from our neighbors. So caveat number two is this. Some animals in the forest are dangerous. 
are some, I'll just put this another way, there are some people that are, that are out there and are hell-bent on hurting you. And you have to know that. You have to be wise. Jesus said, I'm sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. We're talking about rules for living here. A rule for Christian life. We're talking about how we represent our family name. Romans chapter 12, if you have some time this week, I hope that you'll take time and look at Romans chapter 12 just for a practical example of how a Christian can live and is supposed to live in this world that we live in today. I mean, it's a very high standard, our family name. It's a very high standard. Paul talks about in Romans 12 about loving one another, hating evil, being patient in suffering, even blessing those who curse you, etc. But then verse 18 is one of the most practical things I've ever heard. Romans 12, 18. Paul says this, if it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceable with all. Hear those conditions? If it is possible, because sometimes it's not. If it's possible. So far as it depends on you, because you can't control their actions, live at peace with everybody. Do no harm. Avoid harming your neighbor. So how do we put this together? In this dangerous world that we live in, and, and in, uh, in knowing that sometimes we get our wires crossed and knowing that some people are just flat out evil. What does it mean to do no harm to our neighbor? Here's what I think it means. That we intentionally lay our weapons down. We intentionally disarm ourselves. Now, am I talking about shooting and guns and stuff like that? Well, if, if you are the Hatfields and you live next to the McCoys and y'all are shooting back and forth across the holler at each other, then yes, it means that. <laughs> okay? I hope you're not doing that. But more likely, more likely than shooting off our guns, we're probably shooting off our mouth. are shooting out a post on social media in which we are not hitting other people with bullets. We're hitting other things, other people with things that hurt even more. Or maybe you don't even do social media at all. Maybe you don't have anything to do with that. Maybe yours is a meeting with a few of your friends at lunch where you pull the chairs up and you lean in and you start gossiping about somebody else that's not there and you just rip them up one side and down the other so how much damage do we do how much harm do we do to each other when we do that Discipline is kind of uh, 
kind of a rule book for how we meant just two things. Um, and it doesn't just it doesn't just tell us how we put our administrative boards together and the process for becoming an ordained ministry. It doesn't just tell us practical things like that. It addresses these simple rules. It addresses how we live in this world, how we are expected to conduct ourselves. Paragraph 103 says uh, this about do no harm. It says, do no harm by avoiding evil of every kind, especially that which is most generally practiced. Especially that which is most generally practiced. Now that was curious to me. It made me wonder, what is it in the society that we live in today that is the evil that is most generally practiced? Different times, different ways, different things. But in our day, what is the evil that's most generally practiced? I think we're going to have to weed some things out. I think we have several candidates for the most generally practiced evil of our day. One of them might be our dirty little secret of racism. I don't know about you, but I... If you've watched the news or read the newspaper at all this week, you know that one year ago today was the riots in Charlottesville, Virginia. And I remember watching that and thinking, good Lord, are we not past some of this stuff? I didn't expect in my lifetime I would see people carrying Nazi flags marching on our streets and people rioting in the streets and hating each other and trying to harm each other and hitting each other with cars and it was a very very ugly time so is that it is that the most generally practiced evil of our day you could make that argument you could make the argument that the most generally practiced evil of our days would be something a little more passive, something like just forgetting the people who are poorer and don't have a voice and who are vulnerable, forgetting the least of these and forgetting that Jesus said how you treat the least of these is how you treat me. It's easy to do when things are going great for you to forget that they're not going great for everybody. So these evils and you could add to this our practice in our days but I think for me and this is my opinion the most generally practiced evil that we live in today is the combative zero sum hatefulness that I see almost everywhere and in almost every realm in religion and in politics and just about in everything. It's the attitude that says, I must win and you must lose and you are not just my opponent, but you're my mortal enemy. And so anything that lets my side win and your side lose, any behavior that, that meets that end is okay. It's on the table. So it's all right to manipulate if I need to manipulate, to spin things in a way that's not exactly true to just flat out lie, to slander, to cheat, to assassinate character, to do anything that makes me win. 
wrote to the church in Galatia in chapter 5. He said, the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And listen to these words. He says, if however you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. Sometimes I feel like our whole world is just biting and devouring and consuming ourselves. If we ever needed a simple rule that said do no harm, I think it's now. Don't you? I think it's now. That's not supposed to be who we are. We have a family name to live up to. We're not supposed to do that. So what would it look like if we just followed that simple rule, just do no harm? On your outline, I left that open because you might have some dreams of your own about what life would look like if we followed the simple rule, do no harm. Do no harm to yourself. Do no harm. Do no harm to your neighbor. Remember who you are. So I think maybe if we practice this rule, we might keep ourselves from saying or posting something that we wish we could take back. If we ran it past rule number one. Is what I'm about to say going to do harm? Well, then maybe I shouldn't do it. So if we practice this, maybe we would no longer seek to destroy those we disagree with. That in the process of seeing ourselves as children of God, we saw them as children of God, even the people we disagree with, and if we, if we took a deep breath and looked at them that way, then maybe the tension would kind of ease down and both sides might possibly, possibly gain insights from each other. Did you know you could do that? Learn something from somebody you disagree with? I know it works. I have learned a lot of things from people who are Alabama fans. It works. You can do it. You can do it. But most importantly, if we practice do no harm, I think most importantly, we start to look more like Jesus Christ. We start look to look more like the one who rode into Jerusalem victorious and triumphant, but riding on a donkey and not a war horse. saw a quote from Father Richard Rohr this week that I thought was compelling about faith. He said, the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is control. And that punches me right in the heart because I have control issues. It punches me right in the heart because I struggle with just letting go and trusting God with everything 
I'm smart enough to fix it myself. I can, I can control it. We can't. So faith is to let God have the outcome. First, do no harm. Wow, that sounds simple. But to live that way is going to keep us on our knees for loving us enough to give us some boundaries and some rules to live by. Thank you for loving us enough to call us your own. Help us to feel the honor and the dignity of being your children. Help us to also feel the responsibility of living like you want us to live, starting with God, you stir this up in our hearts today. You stir this up in our hearts. Help us to do something about it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn, the hymn of responding to God's call, is number 347, the Spirit Song. As we stand and sing this song, um, I want you to know that that sometimes God God works in your heart even after you leave this place. But if God is is working in your